This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's a great Sunday to be on the golf course. It's a great Sunday to be out with the kids. It's a great Sunday to be chilling. What a great day. Happy that you're making me a part of it. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, right smack dab in the middle of a Memorial Day weekend. Tom and Joe along the way until 3 o'clock. And we got some fun lined up for you. We got a couple of guests stopping by. Dennis Wazak will join us at around 1 o'clock. We'll review the Jets OTAs because I know that we have not talked enough about Jet OTAs. <laughs> So we review some things with uh, Dennis Wozniak of the Associated Press. And, of course, one of my favorites, Jordan Runon, will join us around 2 o'clock, hopefully. Uh, he's got some things he's trying to move around for, so hopefully he'll have time to pop on for a couple of seconds and just review what's going on with the New York football giants. Because all I saw was, you know, the great receivers, and this is an interesting year for, you know, Daniel Jones. Will he be able to step up and so on and so forth? So when I have questions about Big Blue, I go to Jordan Runon. But we begin with a little basketball, and I'm going to admit to you that I did not see us being here after game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. Only Greeny, who's a great follow on Twitter at ESPN Greeny, said, well, that, why would you not think that? I'm paraphrasing him, of course, and not in his voice. <laughs> Why would you not think that we would that Boston could be better than, than Miami and, and win four in a row? Well, we're at that spot where tomorrow night we could be in a history-making situation in the NBA. It's never happened. It's happened in Major League Baseball. No, Joe and Tom, I'm not going to bring that up. It's happened in hockey. But it's never happened in the NBA. And we are at that point. And it almost didn't happen if it hadn't been for Derek Wright Derek White, being in the right place at the right time or not boxed out or whatever to hit a layup with point eh, seconds left on the clock. And it's always funny because back in the day, it was the horn, right? When the horn sounded, that was it. Oh, it's the horn. That's it. After the horn, no good. Now, because we have advanced to the digital age, we have milliseconds. And so now, when you look, the ball has to be released before point one. It was released according to the clock at point two. And it's always been funny because when you look at histories of games, right, <laughs> before we got down to the digital age, it was, well, you would hear, I could hear the late, great Bill Russell doing it on a, on a ABC broadcast um, right now with either Keith, Jack, with Keith Jackson and he would say, well, there's not really three full seconds on the clock. There's really less than three seconds. Whatever time you see on the clock, it's really less because they took time to hit the button. And so there's really less than the time that you see on there. So I guess in theory, if we really whipped out our digital timepieces last night, there was probably, oh, like 2.9, 2.8, 2.0, whatever. But according to the big clock over the scoreboard, Derek White was in the right place at the right time, and we have a game seven. And Boston is lucky because they tried to give Miami the championship last night. They really did. In the final four minutes, they couldn't do anything right. 
I mean, they could do nothing right. Nothing. But yet and still, here we are. And how did we get here? We got here after the, the world just shook their heads at how bad, how badly Boston played. And I came on the air and I did something I very rarely do and I have very, very rarely done over my years on the air in New York City. And I said the team quit. And they did. They flat out laid down and died. <laughs> That's what they did in game three. They did. And you were wondering how they were going to respond in game four, and they responded. Game five, you were surprised because I expected, you know, they might not be able to do something. Last night, I really thought that Miami was going to end it at home because I wasn't sure how, you know, I, I thought if there was a game seven, they would be in real trouble. And seeing how they lost game six, I really believe they are in serious trouble tomorrow night up in Boston. I do. How do you mentally come back from a game where you were three seconds away from playing in the NBA Finals against a team whom you lost a game seven to last year. And now you're in position to go to Boston and have to, after the type of loss that you had. And listen, everybody's saying the right things in, in Miami, starting with Eric Spolstra. I want to play right now. I want. I wish it was right now. Yeah, I'm sure you do, but it's not. So you, because it was right now, you wouldn't have time to think about the loss. If it was right now, you would just say, "Listen, we were. This is what happened. Come on, let's go out there and do it." It's not doubleheader. <laughs> it's not baseball. This is it. So now you have last night and all day today to replay every single moment in that game and get ready for tomorrow night. And it should be a fabulous game, but I got to tell you, and this is hard for me as a Nick fan. I'm telling you it's hard because I really, I really don't care who wins. I'm not, I really don't care. I hate, I hate Boston because I'm an older Nick fan and you know, I have no love loss for Miami especially every time they show Pat Riley sitting in the stands. Okay, so, you know, I really have no love, but I, I, I'm leaning towards Boston in this one. How could you not? How could you not? That Boston w could find a way to, to sneak one in. Now, sure, am I saying that I would be shocked if Miami won? Absolutely not, because Boston could play the same way in the final four minutes that they did last night in the final four minutes. They were lucky to get that win. They should be home. They should be home lamenting the fact that they had a big, t a double-digit lead, and with four minutes left to go, they gave it away. Jimmy Butler was not even a factor, and then he just rose up. It was like he became, it was midnight, and Dracula opened the coffin and came out of it. That's the way he performed. He was, he was awful. There was stats galore. Five for 24 at one point where he and Bam on the Bayou combined. And yet and still, they have a one-point lead with three seconds left. There's no way that that should have happened. There's no way that Boston should have allowed them back in that game. 
but they did. They stopped playing defense. They couldn't hit a shot. And once again, and they've proven it, when they don't shoot threes well, they don't defend well, and they just stop defending. And nobody feels more fortunate in this game than one specific Celtic player. I'll share with you who that is. We'll take your phone calls, and we'll hear from the combatants from last night's Game 6. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Could you imagine for a moment being Al Horford this morning if Derek White doesn't make that layup? Al Horford, who's been an, an excellent player, an excellent NBA veteran, a guy who has a phenomenal shot, who's been, you know, really had a successful career. And whom you would think is usually you would say he is a smart player. For him to foul Jimmy Butler with time running off the clock, almost almost nothing left on the shot clock, with a shot that off balance, that if he hit that shot, you know what? Miami would have deserved to win because he's not hitting that shot. If he hits that shot, it's, it's, it's one of the most unbelievable shots to win a game that you've ever seen. He's not hitting that shot. Folks, he's not. And for you to foul him in that situation, it's like, can you imagine if you were Al Horford in that situation? So, I mean, he more than anybody would had to be a huge sigh of relief. After Derek White hit that layup, I mean, that was out of nowhere. And and you're just wondering, and I agree with Barkley, who said at the end of the game, how about the official saying right away, hey, guess what? I don't need to replay. That that basket was good. I know it was good. So I, I, I give them a lot of credit. But you know what? Uh, close call by Boston, but what an exciting game that was. Because you're just waiting. You're like, no, they're not going to give this up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Boston's what? No, they're not going to do this. What? Miami's what? No, you mean what? <laughs> Unbelievable. 1-800-919-3776. Spikes in St. Pete. Start us off, Spike. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. As much 9 out of 11 Celtics won during my formative years, and I've hated them ever since, and the Miami hatred is a little more placed forward in our timelines. But I'm going to read you the rule that I grew up with. By rule, light and horn have to be at the same time. The clock can be up to .01 off, so that's the last resort. As for the first two, in the replay situation, the horn takes precedent. That's how we grew up, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's my gripe. First of all, I thought Jimmy Butler double-dribbled on that play, and then when they reset the clock, Show how inexact this thing is. It was not 3.0 because he had the ball in his hand. It might have been 2.7 or 2.8. Now, we're getting really technical here. Mm-hmm. And here's the coup de grace. Here it is. Eric Spolster is one of the top five coaches I've ever seen. To send in Derek White when 60 to 70% uh, Marcus Mark took a three. Mm-hmm. 60 to 70% of the threes by the angle and the trajectory, the rebound, that's why God's rebound will come out to the nail. For those who are not listening, that's the middle of the free throw line where there is a nail. Mm-hmm. So if 
you don't set Derek White was out of position. If it was a layup, that's another situation. But how many long shots come back down there? And conversely, if the shot did come out to the nail, he wouldn't have had time anyway because the the shot would have been taken off and the ball would have hit the iron. Yeah. So there was no no way for Boston to win that game. But somehow they won that game. I really felt for Al Horford, too. Why in God's green earth did he even bother with him, fouling him? That I don't get. And Jimmy Butler, to make those three free throws, as it's called, I knew he's making all three, and so did you. Yep, sure did. You just just knew it. And he woke up, and for for Duncan Robinson to miss two open threes, listen, everything fell into place, but... Derek White was in the wrong place at the right time. Have you ever seen a close at a twenty-four foot three-point shot come off the uh, off the iron like a layup, Larry? Yeah, no, you never see but that, Spike. You, you don't it, see it. It was great. Listen, I think I think it's a toss-up tomorrow night. I, I I I think they can recover. I don't have a dog in the fight. I really don't. By age, it'll be Boston to lose. But uh, it was a sloppily played game, and he let him play Zach Zauber at the beginning. But uh, I guess from an excitement standpoint, did you think it was in? And I'll get off now and listen. Did you think it was in the first time it went? The shot went in, or did you think it was late? I, I thought it was. I thought it was late, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. I thought it was a second late. I thought it was a split second late because I went I'm I went with the horn, so once I heard the horn, I thought it was, I thought he got it off simultaneously with the horn, so I thought they were going to say it was late. But then when they zoomed the clock back, you could say, okay, well, according to the clock, and now the clock takes precedence over the horn, um, which which they're supposed to be in sync. I don't know why it would take precedence, but it did, and so. You know, that's that, that's how you're in this situation that Boston lives to, to play another day. The other thing that was real interesting about that was, uh, I'll be honest, I, I kind of thought Marcus Smart's shot was going to go in. I mean, it, went, it was, and that's probably why, Spike, when you think about it, that's why the ball carried the way it did, because the ball was halfway down and came out. If it was a long, if it hits off the back of the iron, then yeah, that's probably where it went back to the nail in the center. But by the fact that it went around in, and the only thing that White did, White went to the spot because there was nobody standing there. He's like, oh, well, maybe in case something happens, so let me go to that spot. And it was, uh, you know, the Miami defender who was trying to defend, who was right there defending Marcus Smart shot, and then he saw White out of the corner of his eye. He tried to get there. He got there a half second late, and that's how White got that layup. It was... um, Man, it, it it was just crazy. It was it was an unbelievable play uh, for to end the game on. I mean, it was just it, it was just nuts. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, Larry, how's it going? You know, I want to try to get Jets and the Miami game somehow in together because the last okay. time I called you was on Sally, so it's really a coaching type of thing. Okay. Um, I only coach church league now. I coach middle school. But I'm really into like watching the games and seeing right, hold on like, second, how the plays develop. Hold on a second, Artie. Hold on a second. Yeah. You're coaching football? You're no, coaching, basketball. You're coaching basketball. All right. Artie, yeah. what kind of coach and, are you? What kind of coach are you? Be honest. Are you a yeller or a screamer? Uh, I play. I, I, I'm, I'm in middle school, so I play everybody. Okay. I have a 4 and 38 record. Okay. But everybody plays. Principal, hate, principal yeah. Principal hates me. <laughs> but I had a love. She's, yeah. 
she says, you know, we, we do have to win, you know. But, but parents, anyway, I want, I, so Polstra, right, is, Polster, def- yeah. is definitely a top coach, mm-hmm. okay? But he made a mistake. He didn't put anybody on the inbounder mm-hmm. and then wonders why there was no boxing out. He was actually smart. Um, White was actually open for a give and go three. Would have mm-hmm. been an open look. I understand that Smart took the shot and he almost made it. Mm-hmm. But you got to appreciate what this kid did. Okay? He doesn't get the ball for the three. And everybody else would just look at the ball to see if it goes in. Mm-hmm. That dude went after the offensive rebound. So don't tell me about, like, offensive, uh, uh, no boxing out and stuff like that. And I still think that the Miami coach made a mistake. You have to put an inbounder, an inbounder, a tall inbounder. First, you got to remind them of the give and go. But mm-hmm. a tall inbounder, it designates the area where the ball's going. You could cover some of the ground. And you, you get a lengthy guy. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to make the shot, but I'm just saying it was a mistake from day one not putting a, um, an inbound. That's my opinion. So Number here's what two, he did, Artie. He, hold, hold on, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Here's what he did, Artie. He gambled. He yeah. thought, I don't want somebody on the inbounds, but I'm going to double Tatum so they don't give it to Tatum. And and they'll have to find somebody else. If somebody else beats me on this play, it's okay. It can't right. be Tatum. So he doubled Tatum, and that's why he didn't okay. put the ball on the inbounds. That's a Go good ahead. That's a, that's the way to That's the way to look at it. But if you mm-hmm. put an inbounder and your best defender on Tatum, Tatum may still take the shot, but it right. won't be uh, it won't be an open look like the, um, Smart had an open look. He did. <laughs> he he did. did. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I um the the other thing too I want to um go to Sally and stuff like that. You know, I I I called and said that you know we get Rogers all of a sudden now Sally thinks that we're six or eight teams going to Super Bowl. That's fine and good. I don't like it. I I think it's too Rexish like. To go mm-hmm. to designate your, you know, your team as a, as a only six to eight. I wonder how the other teams are feeling that actually beat us last year. Okay, mm. and I know they got the kid from the Ravens to uh, strong safety. At defensive line, we got beat up. I think Saleh goes too much on the on the rush. And I watched the Klecko special, which was awesome. It was. People don't realize. You know, Gastino, he owned, the only tackles he made was at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Klecko I, I took the double team. He appreciated what Marty Lyons and Abdul Salam did in the middle. Because if they don't do their job, just like the kid in, in, uh, in the Celtics, if they don't do their job, the other guy can't get the sack. So that's what I'm trying to say. Is like To win a championship, it takes all – it's a team game. And it takes the other players to do their job. And I don't know if Salah requires that. I don't know if his discipline requires them to everybody do their job. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, Artie, thanks for the phone call. I'll put it to you this way. I think he does just by the fact of him rotating his defense. Now, you're right. The defense, they get beat up a lot. And part of the reason why they got beat up a lot is because they haven't found a way to consistently stop the run. So that's why they get beat up a lot. But he does, in the team effort, he does rotate his D linemen. So from that standpoint, he's not just relying on Quentin Williams. He's relying on that whole front. He's relying on everybody that he puts in there to understand what their job is and how they have to be disciplined to do what they're supposed to do. Whatever the play is called, that's what they have to do. So in a sense, they are 
team oriented and they and they un, they have to rely on each other. I mean, Marty, it's football, man. There's there's you can't. That's that. There is no more of a team game than football. I mean, when when your line play is not good, it's because they're not a good team. They're not sacrificing. They don't understand. Defense, more so the offensive line than the defensive line, but especially the offensive line. And believe me, I've spoken to a gazillion offensive linemen, and they will—they all say, I don't care who they are, I don't care how long they've played, I don't care if they're rookies or second year or they're 10, 12-year veterans. They all talk about we have to think as one. We have to know when I go here, my partner goes there, or my teammate goes here, or my brother goes in this fence, that we know what we're supposed to do. We have to be on the same page. So from that standpoint... I do think that they do have the team aspect and they do have the ability to sacrifice. The question becomes is, are they on the same page with their communication? And that may not be the same situation. So maybe that's the thing that Salah has to look forward to. Hey, listen up, baseball fans. ESPN New York is giving you the chance to score an amazing road trip and travel with the home team when New York visits Philadelphia. Yeah, you and the guests could catch a game and enjoy round-trip train tickets, two-night hotel accommodations, and 200 bucks in spending money. For official rules and to enter, visit the ESPN New York app. Yeah, the app. And click on Travel with the Home Team. It's all brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. We have more of your phone calls on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phones as we join you on this Memorial Day weekend Sunday. Let's see what Floyd in Harlem has to say. Floyd, you're next on 98.7. How you doing? Thanks for having me. You got it, Floyd. What's Um, up, my friend? What I like to say is that game last night was exactly what I paid money to see. It went down to .2 seconds. And it was a great game. Even though Miami, their stars, they didn't score like they were supposed to. Jimmy Butler scored in the latter part of the game. But it was a good game overall. And like Butler said, unfortunately for for them, for Miami, that shot went in. And I think after making the comebacks that they did, maybe they should have won. I'm NY till I die. I love mm-hmm. all New York teams. But I think after after struggling to get back in the game, they they maybe they should have won it. But but you know things happen. Yeah, you're right, Floyd. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, think about this. That third quarter, Miami scored 19 points. All right. So really, to be honest, Boston. But Boston scored. 22. So Boston really should have put that game away then when they held Miami to the 19 points. They just couldn't do it. And you, listen, you, you give Miami credit because, you know, they play hard defense too. They're, they're right in there. But then Boston allows Miami to score 31 points in the fourth quarter. And that's the difference. But I will say this. You got to give credit to uh, Martin and Vincent. And Robinson, because those three, especially Martin, Martin is Martin has been phenomenal in the series. He and Vincent have really played a lot and have been as have been as uh, successful and consistent scorers 
They, they've been the guys, I mean, you're hearing people talk about them as possible MVPs of this series because of their consistency and what they've been able to do. Okay? So um, give them a lot of credit because they have kept Miami close. They kept, they kept Miami close enough that when Jimmy Butler woke up, he was able to do what he needed to do to help them get that almost win, almost win that game and steal it back from Boston. Uh, this message to Joe Mazzullo, Jason Tatum cannot play 40-plus minutes. He was wiped out in the final quarter. He played 44 minutes. He, 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 he can't do it. He, he, he's, he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. You're going to have to find a way to give him a blow, um, you know, a, a break somewhere. Either you take him out at two minutes before the half or two minutes before between periods, you know, two minutes or he gets the, especially in the playoffs, with the longer commercial and the longer break between quarters. I mean, you know, maybe you have to give him two minutes and then break and then bring him back in for the fourth or try to steal a couple of minutes because he just, he, he was exhausted. The best thing he did last night for them, I mean, not the best thing because he got them off to the great start. But the most consistent thing he did, he was 15 to 15 from the free throw line. And there was some big free throws that he hit. And so that's what, you know, really got them going. But once again, and, you know, it's funny because when you looked at the game, it seemed like Boston was hitting threes, but they hit them early, right? They ended up being seven for 35 from three. So 20% shooting from three equals bad defense, <laughs> especially late. And you're just like, I know you guys and I continue to shoot threes. Like, you really need to stop shooting the threes. Come on. Come on. Stop it. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? Larry, good afternoon. Happy good Memorial afternoon. Day week of you. Thanks. Same to you. Uh, before I make my Yankees point, uh, first of all, what a game last night. But how frustrating is watching the NBA now? It's just a three-point shooting contest, man. Like, I remember there was a point in the game, I think the, the Heat were down one. And Duncan Robinson pulled up. I think there was two possessions in a row. He pulls up from three. And there was, like, room to go to the rack. I, I don't – I get it. You know, it's a percentage thing. But, uh it's frustrating sometimes, but what a, what a game! It was a fast. It was a fascinating game, Tommy. And we are in an era, and I don't know if it's going to change. I don't know, you know, because everything goes through cycles. But coaches are telling players, as you mentioned, three is more than two. You're in rhythm. Put up the three. And Boston, yeah. we're talking about. We're, we're yeah. not, in Boston, they shoot at minimum forty threes a game. Minimum forty. <laughs> So, you know, when they're not hitting them, you know, they are in, they are at, they are, they have problems with their offense. I used to talk for a living. They have problems yeah. with their offense and they struggle. And that's what you saw last night. But uh, on a different note, I, I, mm -hmm. I really want to talk about the Yankees. And okay. I am, I'm just so impressed with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and how he's embraced a totally different role. You know, he was, he was never meant to be the starting shortstop for the Yankees. You know, you can see he's he's playing the outfield. He plays a great third base. You can see why he won a gold glove as a third baseman. You know, little pop in the lineup. Run. I, I'm just – I'm so impressed with the guy. You know, that, and that's a tough transition, you know. You were the starting shortstop for the Yankees, and now you're just a role player, but he's, he's fantastic. And I'll say this, uh, Tommy, and thanks for the phone call. The other thing, and a nice walk-off win hit yesterday for, for IKF,
But here's the other thing that I'm really impressed with for him and impressed with when other athletes do it in other sports. Not only is he not the starting shortstop for the Yankees, he has been the starting left fielder for the Yankees, a position where he never played. And so, and has done a pretty good job. Pretty good job out there. So for him, those are the type, and I'm, I'm not, look, I understand he's not hitting. I understand that he's not giving you the offense that you expected. I get it. I do. But I'm just talking about him being willing those guys who say, you know what? No, this is not my position. No, I'm not comfortable with this, but I'll take the extra work out there. I'll do what I can to try to help this team win. And when you are a team that is a successful team, you have to have players who will make those sacrifices for you. I mean, this is a major league player who is going out there and trying not to embarrass himself, playing in a position that especially at Yankee Stadium with that weird angle of the wall going down, it's not easy. It's not an easy place to play. Okay? So that's why I give him, I agree with you, Tommy, I give him a lot of credit just for him being in that position and understanding that, listen, I can either, here's my choices. I can be happy and sit, or I can try to do something to help this team and be a part of this team. And that's what he's done. So I give him a lot of credit for doing that. And listen, if he hits a little bit more, this will help uh, Josh Donaldson stay off the bench. Stay on the bench, rather. You know, because I know there's a bunch of Yankee fans who don't want him playing. As I see uh, Tom and Joe nodding their heads in the front. 1-800-919-3776. We'll hear some more from Miami and Boston and your calls next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. We've been talking a little bit about the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. And meanwhile, all oh, the Denver Nuggets are just sitting back chilling, just relaxing. Hey, they'll get to us when we what, Thursday night is game one. Hey, <laughs> look at this team. They're going to be exhausted by the time we play them. Let's push the basketball. <laughs> you know what? Either team is going to have a lot of trouble with that Denver team because of, of how they play and their offense and they just – their bench is deep. Um, both teams are going to have an issue playing against that Denver team. They are really, really good and very well coached. Back to the phones. Let's go to Union. That's where Mark is hanging out listening to 9870 ESPN. Hello. Hey, Mark. Hi. I just was going to say uh, uh, how exciting that game was last night and the uh, uh, the, the clutch that uh, Butler showed hitting those three foul shots in a row late in the game. It's all on him. Playoffs. Wow. Uh, very impressed. Well, you have to be, Mark, and that, that's not an easy situation, clearly. Thanks for the phone call. And you're right. It, it was a clutch spot there because if, if he misses, uh, you know, one, it, it, he has a chance to have, to have his team either go to overtime or maybe lose. Okay? So uh, here's the opportunity for him. He went out there, he laid down, hit the free throws, and did it in a tough situation, clutch spot, and did a nice job. And he put the pressure of, uh, you know, put the pressure squarely on Boston to try to have a, a to for them to make a clutch shot to beat Miami and force a game seven. And I love when the camera zoomed in and he just said, we just need one stop. We just need one stop. And they got a half stop. They didn't get a full stop. They got a half stop. Well, actually, I'm sorry. They got a stop. They just didn't get the offensive rebound. Just didn't get the rebound. 
and that was the all the difference there. So, you know, it's um, it's it was a heck of a game, but once again, it's a game that did not need to go the way it went. That's a situation where Boston, who was on the brink of elimination, you got to bring that game home, man. You cannot allow Miami to be in that situation where they come back, even at home, even as great a team as they've been, okay, as great a team as they've been, a team that has come back from behind time and time and time and time again. You as Boston, with this being your last opportunity, okay, remember you're down in this series. You're not Miami. You're not up. You're down. You got to you got to close them out. You have to find a way to make a play so that you put Miami in a tough spot. You allowed them to get back in the game. You allowed Jimmy Butler to um rise up because he was he was he was invisible for most of the game. He was invisible. And you let him and you let him take over that game. And on a couple of occasions, you let him go right to the basket. And it was so funny last night because I, I had some folks over. We were watching the game. And, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're, we're yelling and there's screaming and there's, you know, there's the emotion of the game. Everybody's getting into the game, you know. And what was so funny was I'm waiting for there to be a transition. Right, because when you look at this series, how this series has gone, it's been where teams that have pushed the basketball. What did Boston do in the two games that they won? One in Miami, one in Boston. They pushed the basketball. They increased the pace. So they were pushing. They were pushing. Miami, putting Miami on their heels. Whereas when Miami was missing their long shots, Boston was getting out on the break and they were going back. Last night, neither team really was pushing the pace. Both of them really got into this half-court, hand-to-hand combat type thing. And so that really played into the defense's hands for both teams. And you just kept waiting for somebody to in that fourth quarter to just, like, take control. And once again, you know, Boston was there. That was Boston's game. And they let it go. And they were very fortunate to get it back. Very fortunate. Losing Lincoln Park. Lou, you're next on 98.7. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, first off, playoff has, has been amazing. This whole uh, playoff um, this whole playoff season basically has been practically un- unpredictable. It's been amazing. But anything besides that. Um, I actually want to ask you a couple questions. Now that we see basically New York, let's say New York playoffs, with it, including Jets' upcoming season, Giants making the playoffs uh, last season, also with all the playoff teams of the hockey teams and also the Knicks making it, and also Brooklyn, actually. I forgot about those. Who has the brightest future out of all New York teams in, in all sports? And also, who do you think would win New York's basically, what, first championship in a long time? Thanks for taking Um, my call. All right, Lou. Thanks for the phone call. And that is, you know, remember, uh, 
there's a soccer team that won the championship here in a while recently. So keep that in mind. Um, look, I think the Devils, with what you saw them doing, they have a really good shot. If they can build, they have a young team, a lot of speed. Um, they have pretty good goaltending. They've got uh, some experience now going deep into the postseason, and you see what, what they're able to do there coming out of it. So I think they have a, a good shot. I'm very curious to see what the Rangers are going to do. Who do they bring in as their next head coach? And uh, listening to LaGreca uh, on the K-Show on Friday, he seems to think it's Peter Laviolette that's got the has a really good opportunity to, you know, have a chance to to be the next Rangers head coach, um, and he's got you know he's got some pelts. He's got, got took a team to Stanley Cup Finals, took a couple of teams to Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, how will that, how will the new head coach for the Rangers and that style of play help them? And what changes do the Rangers have to make personnel wise? Who's going to be left from that team? So the question, and listen, you know, the Islanders were a team that went to deep into the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. So they're still around in in the conversation. So I would I would take it for right now, just off the top of my head, I would say that the Devils have, of the three local teams, I would think the Devils have the best chance of going deep into the Stanley Cup Finals based on what they did this year. And once again, I don't know what changes they're going to make. When we talk about the Mets and Yankees, I mean, the Mets are are – Listen, from a financial standpoint, they better get to the World Series <laughs> because otherwise Steve Cohen spent a lot of money for nothing. Okay? So we'll wait and see what happens with the Mets, how they're going to play. They've been up and down. They, you know, But once again, it's early. We'll see if they get on a roll and can try to put some string, some wins together where you kind of get some more confidence about this team. The Yankees are the Yankees. Listen, uh, right now the, with the lineup and the roster they have, I, I don't think they're going to get – deep into the postseason, but here's what I know about Cashman. He'll evaluate the team, and then at the trade deadline, he'll make some moves, and maybe it'll be something that will put them over the top. We'll wait and see what happens with them. Obviously, I was talking with the guys during the break. Listen, the fact that Luis Severino gave you an outing yesterday that went into the seventh inning, you know, that's positive. You've got a couple of pitchers that you're waiting to get back. They can possibly hold you until you get your offense more consistent. But, you know, right now, I don't see much difference between this team, this team this year and the team last year that got obliterated by Houston. And really, if they didn't have an unbelievable first half, might not have even made the postseason last year. Uh, as far as the NBA is concerned, listen, there's a lot of conversation with both, both the Knicks and Nets have to do some work. What are the Nets going to do? What's the game plan to build around? Are they going to build around Makai Bridges? Are they going to trade Makai Bridges? What are they going to do? What, what are they going to do to make improvements on that team? So we'll see uh, what, what they bring to the table. And, uh, you know, as far as the Knicks are concerned, what are they going to do? Are they going to trade Julius Randle? Are they going to add to Julius Randle? So I, yeah, the Knicks are up in the air. I don't know. It's hard to say. So I can't even – they are – I think they are a couple of steps away from a championship, though. So I don't see them next year. I don't see the Knicks getting into the championship, nor the Nets. But once again, we'll see what happens with, with what they do. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, adjustments that they make. And Tony from Mount Vernon has uh, a team that he thinks is going to, that may have the best chance to win the title. Who's that, Tony? Hey, Larry, how you doing, man? Great, man. Um, I think the New York Liberty. I think they could actually win it this year. Well, I'll say this, That's Tony. They, my thought. Yeah, what they, do you think? 
they well they've got the they've got the players to do it. There's no question about it. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, they've they've put together a super team in the WNBA. There's no doubt, and they have a really good opportunity to, you know, make some noise in this postseason. When you have super teams like that, though, Tony, the biggest thing, and it goes with all teams, but especially when you put teams together like this, it's chemistry and it's injury. Those are the things that you hope that you build that chemistry, that that when you have so much so much talent that everybody understands what their role is and, how, you know, sometimes who, somebody has to take a backseat in one game, but you know, it's your time in another game. And just you, you go back with the um, you go back with the heat with Wade and Bosch and LeBron and all right, who's going to take the final shot. And some, that's what happens when you have great teams and you have super teams. All right. Who takes the final shot? Who, who who's going to get the ball in this play? Who does this? So all that has got to be worked out. And sometimes Tony super teams don't, work as well as teams who have better chemistry. Maybe they don't have the same talent, but they're a better team. I mean, you look at the Miami and Boston series. Boston's the more talented team. They have more talent than than Miami. But Miami seems to play better as a team. They play off each other better. They know where where each other's going to be. They they just have you know, yeah, they got great coaching, but they, they have great camaraderie. They play for each other. And so sometimes you don't have that with super teams. We'll find out if the Liberty have that. But from a talent standpoint, Tony, you're absolutely right. Stewart and, and, and all the other players that they have on that squad, man, they they should be a team. And they won pretty handily last night. They should be a team that you have to say, you know what? When we're talking WNBA championship, Liberty are right there. No doubt about it. No question about it. Liberty are right there. But it is going to be interesting, especially with the locals, to see how teams have put themselves in position where they're in the conversation. And I got to say, it's been a long time when New York can say you have multiple teams that have been at least in the conversation. Usually it's just the Yankees in the conversation. But then you got a bunch of other teams in the conversation and, you know, Jets and Giants uh, as well. Speaking of football, we'll talk about both teams. First, we'll start out with the Jets. They had OTAs last week. Dennis Wozak was there covering the Jets for the Associated Press. We'll get his thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN.